Worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. David Lynn. So the big question is, how do women over 40 like us keep weight off, have great energy, balance our hormones and our moods, feel sexy and confident, and master midlife? If you're like most of us, you're not getting the answers you need and remain confused and pretty hopeless to ever feel like yourself again. As an OBGYN, I had to discover for myself the truth about what creates a rock-solid metabolism, lasting weight loss, and supercharged energy after 40 in order to lose 100 pounds and fix my fatigue. Now, I'm on a mission. This podcast is designed to share the natural tools you need for impactful results and to give you clarity on the answers to your midlife metabolism challenges. Join me for tangible natural strategies to crush the hormone imbalances you're facing and help you get unstuck from the sidelines of life. My name is Dr. Kieran Dunstan. Welcome to the Hormone Prescription Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Thank you so much for joining me today. My guest today, David Lynn, PhD, is a co-founder and chief scientific officer at Bristle. You might think of Bristle as bristles on your toothbrush. This is a different kind of bristle. Maybe you've heard about the connection between your oral microbiome and your overall systemic health, like heart and brain and more. Maybe you haven't. But whether you have or haven't, you need to know about this. And if you know a little bit about it, you need to know more. So David is going to share that with you today so that you don't just sit there worrying like a rocking chair about your health and what can you do, but you really get some actionable information, some steps that you can take to improve your health. And taking care of your oral microbiome is one of those things that you're not going to hear about at your dentist that you could be doing to move your health to the next level. So I'll tell you a little bit about David and then we'll get started. David received his PhD in microbiology and immunology from the University of Michigan Ann Armour and his MS in biology from California State University, Fullerton, and his bachelor's in biotechnology from University of California, Davis. That's a lot of science. He is a science nerd, let's just say, and he loves talking about the oral microbiome. He was a postdoctoral researcher at Genetech before becoming a scientist at Twist Bioscience and has over 10 years of molecular biology, microbiology, genomics, and synthetic biology and infectious disease experience across academia, public health, and industry. This is just the guy you want informing you about how to understand the key of your oral microbiome for better health better health. Welcome, David. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Yes, I think that most people are not aware of how this small little real estate on their face, their mouth, affects the entire rest of their body to such a high degree. So I really wanted to have you on to highlight that for them and they can get some tools and start taking action to improve their oral health so they can improve their overall health. What introduced you to the big impact that oral health has on systemic health? It's a great question. Well, I'm a scientist by training and through many years of school, I've learned to, a lot about microbiology, a lot about bacteria, and basically the way that they do things and how they interact with your body. 
And recently, at least in the past decade or two, there's been a lot of research that has shown that the gut microbiome is really important for your overall health. It helps with digestion, it controls a lot of your mood, and it does a lot of things. But what's been largely ignored is that there's actually another microbiome that's the second largest and most diverse microbiome in your body, and it's your mouth. You swallow 100 billion bacteria every day. You are what you eat. And those bacteria are in your mouth. And they do so much for us that we really don't, we don't acknowledge. Did you know that oral bacteria, they actually control some of your blood pressure? The way they do this is by reducing nitrate. So there's this circular connection in your mouth where they can reduce nitrate and that increases the nitrate level, nitric oxide levels in your blood. That's just one of many ways that they help you do things. You know, that's interesting. I know some people, women are listening and saying, well, maybe when I go for my blood pressure check at my doctor's office, I should ask them to check my oral microbiome. I think the average doctor would just look at you like, what are you talking about? It was, <laughs> they probably wouldn't know what you're talking about. In terms of clinical utility, I know you're affiliated with a company that does testing of the oral microbiome. What percentage of doctors would you say are savvy about this interaction and actually know to order tests like this, recommend tests like this, work with tests like this? Very, very few. So I think one of the things about medicine is that it's relatively slow moving. There's a lot of tradition that's been built into not only systemic medicine, so you know your physician, but also dentistry. Dentistry is a really old practice and they haven't introduced almost any new technologies for like a hundred years. We still operate in the same way we've been doing for a long time. And that is we treat the symptoms as we see them, which is really unfortunate. There's very little preventive measures that we use to really tackle some of the biggest problems we have. I mean, cavities and gum disease, everybody still gets them. It's like, I think 70% of individuals over 65 will have periodontal disease and it's entirely preventable. It's just a bacterial infection. That's a very long-term bacterial infection. And if you catch it early enough, you don't have to get it. Same with cavities. Cavities are very specific bacteria. They colonize your teeth, they create acid. And unfortunately, practitioners nowadays, they, most of them really don't use any of these kinds of tools to screen their patients. I think some of that may have to do with medicine itself, just the way that, that we practice. Um, and the other part of it is really that research moves very slowly. So academia, to translate a research finding into something that's really useful for people, takes a very long time of development. And hopefully, you know, my company, Bristle, we're trying to address that, at least for oral health. Yes, it's so true. It can take decades. I think that the average is something like three decades, and sometimes it's way longer than that. For instance, um, the use of fluoride and toothpaste and water. How does that affect the oral biome? Yeah, so there haven't actually been any very compelling trials regarding the use of at least everyday fluoride, which is a very low concentration in your toothpaste. But generally, it's not a very powerful antimicrobial. It really doesn't do that much in killing bacteria, but what it really does is to help you remineralize your teeth because fluoride actually helps to resorb calcium onto your tooth surface. So it helps to protect your teeth that way. But I think what's more exciting is not just things like fluoride, but there have been newer compounds that have been out where people have shown kind of that they don't have systemic effects like fluoride does, but they can still help remineralize teeth. So something like nanohydroxyapatite, even things like arginine. So arginine is it's just an amino acid, but it helps prevent cavities. 
And, and the way it does it is by actually modulating the oral microbiome. It's a very interesting connection. And is that when swallowed orally, swished orally, and how is it administered that it's shown to decrease cavities by altering the microbiome? Yeah, so arginine, it just if you chew it and if it sticks around on your teeth, I'm not actually sure if there have been any tests for ingestion, but if you chew it or if you apply it as a toothpaste, it acts as a prebiotic and it activates this pathway called the arginine deaminase pathway, which increases the pH of the mouth. And the, the way it modulates the oral microbiome is that there's some bacteria that can metabolize the arginine very well and turn it into ammonia, which increases the pH. And that actually prevents the acid generating bacteria from colonizing the tooth because acid generating bacteria actually really like acidic environments and ammonia is the opposite. So it prevents them from growing. Okay. And so what are some everyday habits that people might have that might hurt their oral microbiome? And what are some habits they might have that might improve? The first one is using alcohol-based mouthwash. That's really bad for you, actually. So alcohol is an antiseptic that we use you know, on our hands. We use it to disinfect things. But it turns out that the microbiome of the mouth, there are very important good bacteria in there that are important for preventing the bad ones from growing. And those good ones, we can kill them by using alcohol-based mouthwash. So there was a study recently that had shown that routine use of over-the-counter mouthwash was actually associated with hypertension. And the reason for that was because these nitrate-reducing bacteria were actually completely going away. And they didn't come back because these people were using mouthwash twice a day. And so you never give a chance for good bacteria to populate. And you ended up with dysbiosis of the mouth. That's fascinating that the regular use of the alcohol-containing mouthwash increased hypertension. Fascinating. What are some other habits that we have that hurt our oral microbiome? Definitely our diet. This probably isn't unique to just the oral microbiome, but the amount of sugar and processed food that we eat is just off the charts now compared to where we were even just 20 years ago, even 30 years ago. And so the rates of cavities have gone sky high. And so that's like the main thing that I tell most people. It's what can I fix right now without having to buy anything or actually like change my habits besides diets? Gotta be diets. Like the diet is the only thing that is entirely controllable and will fix most of the problem. Stop eating sugar. <laughs> just the simple <laughs> sugars are a huge problem. <laughs> just stop. Just say no. Just say okay. no. And how about flossing and brushing? Just got to say it because some people still didn't get the memo. Oh my gosh. It's really surprising, right? And I think we always recommend people brush twice a day, floss once a day. We actually published a little bit of research of our own of what flossing does to the microbiome. We actually saw that flossing frequency correlates with improvements in oral health and the oral microbiome. So when we measure the microbiome, what we're talking about is there's very specific bacteria in your mouth that we call them periodontal pathogens. And they're the ones that cause gum disease. And we measure these in your saliva at bristle and we measure them against the bacteria that prevent them from growing. And we found that people who flossed once a day had very low levels of these bacteria, of the bad bacteria in their mouth compared to the good ones. But the people who didn't floss at all, it was an inverse correlation. They had very low levels of the good ones and a lot of the bad ones. Why this happens? We think it's because most of these pathogens, they're called anaerobes, which means that they can't grow in the presence of oxygen. They really like your gum line and they like growing into the pockets of your teeth because there's no oxygen there. 
And so by flossing, you can introduce oxygen. You can also mechanically remove some of the dental plaque that's down there that protects them from the environment. And really, you want those pockets to be exposed to saliva. You want them to be exposed to anything. You don't want them to just be rooted in bacteria, in pathogenic bacteria. Can we give some of them names? Because I know it would be easier yeah. if they could hear. So what are some oh, yeah. of the good bacteria that we want to foster, that we want to make friends with? Yeah, so there's a few bacteria such as Haemophilus parainfluenza. The names are not that important, but most <laughs> of them are aerobic. So there's Streptococcus mitis. I think if you go to our website, you'll you'll find a list with a way to spell them out. But generally, these are they're in your mouth, and the way that they protect you is actually really interesting. They make a set of compounds called bacteriosins. Well, not all of them, but some of them do. And this, these bacteriosins are really good at killing other bacteria, specifically killing anaerobic bacteria. It's really interesting. They cause oxidative stress in those bacteria, and that's a, a mechanism where oxygen can kind of is extremely detrimental to their growth. And some of these bacteriosins act as uh, stress inducers. So the anaerobes want to hide in little cavities and cause problems. Acidosis, which is then going to start eroding teeth. What about mouth breathing and the health of your microbiome, right? There's been Mm -hmm. recent data about the number of people that are mouth breathers and how it can adversely affect your microbiome and mouth taping has become a thing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So... Mouth breathing is a really interesting phenomenon, and it doesn't really directly affect the oral microbiome in that it's the mouth breathing itself, but the act of mouth breathing actually reduces the amount of saliva in your mouth. And saliva is really important because it has antimicrobial peptides, it has antibodies in it, it has minerals, and most importantly, it just helps to keep your mouth clean. So you're constantly shedding saliva from, I think it's like hundreds of salivary glands in your mouth. And they really help to just shed things. It helps to coat your teeth, coat your gums, and make it so that the bacteria in your mouth are kept at low levels. Because once you get outgrowth, that's when problems really happen. And by mouth breathing, you're drying up the salivary glands, you're reducing the amount of saliva on your teeth and in your gums. And dry mouth is the main cause of oral microbiome dysbiosis, which is caused Is by that for most people? Breathing. Yeah, a lot of people have dry mouth and they're not actually aware. Dry mouth causes gum disease, cavities, bad breath, extremely common. But people think Mm -hmm. they wake up in the middle of the night, they've been mouth breathing, that it's totally normal. And they're like, yeah, I'll just drink a glass of water. But, you know, this constant act of mouth breathing and having a dry mouth every day leads to dysbiosis. And for everybody listening, before you go seal your mouth up with a piece of tape, read about how to do mouth taping, please. Because I know I remember when I first heard about it and I thought mouth taping, I thought it meant a piece of tape across your whole mouth. So don't do it until you read about it and learn about it. So my people are mostly women 40 to 60 and over, and they're wanting to know what they can do to improve their health. And How does, they've learned about the microbiome in the gut, and now they're wondering, how is this, David, how is this oral microbiome affecting the rest of my health? Yeah. What's it doing? Oh, my goodness. Where to start? So we briefly discussed how the oral microbiome helps control blood pressure, right? We talked about nitrate, but there's so many other ways. So one really big study that came out a few years ago showed that there's certain bacteria in your mouth that have 
actually been implicated in the progression of Alzheimer's disease. So this bacteria is called Porphyromonas gingivalis. And since then, there's been a lot of studies looking at whether or not they can actually prevent Alzheimer's disease just by either killing these bacteria, removing them, or blocking their activity. And companies have come up from this just looking at Porphyromonas gingivalis. Um, so that's one way. These bacteria, they end up in your brain somehow. And then... Any early data from any of those studies you can share or nothing yet? I think it's a little early. There was one clinical trial that had very early data that looked promising where they had... So Porphyromonas gingivalis creates this protein that cuts other proteins and this drug targets that protein that cuts stuff. And they saw that I think there was a mild decrease or a mild improvement in cognitive decline in patients with Alzheimer's disease by using a drug like this. Awesome. But it was probably a very small study and I think they're expanding that now. Okay, great. And then I cut you off because you were getting ready to talk about something oh, else systemically. Yeah, the oral microbiome has been implicated in so many different things. So another big one is cancer both in oral cancer and surprisingly colorectal cancer, which I guess is surprising to most people. But when you think about, you know, 100 billion bacteria being swallowed every day, it becomes pretty obvious that there's this one bacteria called Fusobacterium nucleatum. And for some reason, this little bug is really, really good at causing inflammation. And what it does is it happens to be in very high abundance in people with tumors. It really likes the tumor environment. Why? We don't really know why, but people have shown that people who have Fusobacterium nucleatum in their tumors, those tumors grow a lot more aggressively. And the prognosis for those people is much worse than the people who don't have Fusobacterium nucleatum. Okay. What about heart disease? You know, that's the number one killer of women over 50. Most women don't worry about it, believe it or not. They're more worried about breast cancer, but they should be concerned about their hearts. How does the oral microbiome interact with the heart? Yeah, heart disease is the number one killer in the United States. And there's actually a lot of interactions between the oral microbiome and the heart. Somehow, bacteria in the mouth actually end up in the bloodstream. We don't really know how this happens, like a lot of things. But for instance, atherosclerotic plaque, the plaque that's high cholesterol and it builds up inside your arteries and, and can cause a blockage, people have found oral bacteria in there. They found Fusobacterium nucleatum, Porphyromonas gingivalis. A lot of these gum disease pathogens just happen to make it into the bloodstream. We think that the people who have gum disease, they're more susceptible to this happening because the gum disease actually causes damage to the gum tissue and allows them to invade and, and get into your bloodstream. But the mechanism for how this happens is still very unclear. There's also other bacteria in the mouth that can cause infective endocarditis. It's a pretty rare condition, but somehow, again, the bacteria in the mouth, they end up in the heart and they cause an infection. Interesting. So I'm curious, has anybody done any studies on longevity as it relates to the makeup of the oral microbiome? Nope, not yet. Not um, yet. <laughs> very good question. I wish we did. Uh, <laughs> so I will say that People have looked at oral health and longevity, but not really the oral microbiome longevity, right? Like there's a very strong correlation between good oral health and longevity mm -hmm. because the people who can eat longer, eat solid foods or good foods for longer and to do better. And so it wouldn't be surprising if you found that the people that live longer have very healthy oral microbiomes because in order to have healthy teeth, you need a healthy oral microbiome. But so far, no study definitively. Okay, interesting. I was just curious. 
And I know that at Bristol, you guys offer tests for the oral microbiome. Can you talk a little bit about what people could do to be proactive about assessing their oral biome and promoting a healthy oral biome? Yeah. First thing I always say is take a test because that's really the only way you can get data around it. So it's kind of like, for instance, for diabetes. A lot of people don't know their status for diabetes, and the only way they know is by going and get a blood test. And it's the same for oral health. You really don't know. There's no lab tests, or have, there hadn't been any lab tests for oral health until Bristol came along. And so you really need to get the data around it to know what your starting point is, to know what you need to improve, because there's very specific recommendations we can make based on the makeup of your oral microbiome. So, I mean, the first thing about being proactive is fix your diet, brush twice a day, floss once a day, reduce your mouth breathing, try and eat more nitrate foods with nitrate in them. So there's leafy greens and let's see, eat more arginine if you can. Other than that, the recommendations we make could be for specific probiotics to help you improve your oral health, but we don't know which ones unless you take a test. Okay. So on the test, what kind of information do you get? So we give a variety of scores that are based on your oral microbiome. Really, we look at all the bacteria in your mouth. Eventually, we'll also report on the different viruses and fungi because we know that they're also really important for oral disease. But right now, if we're talking about just bacteria, you get scores for your cavities. So we tell you what kind of bacteria in your mouth can contribute to cavities, what kind of bacteria in your mouth can contribute to gum disease, which ones in the mouth that are also implicated in gut inflammation, and bad breath. And we're adding we're adding new features all the time. So Okay, so it's not one where you're going to get specific bacterial names. You're basically going to get some type of score. I'm looking at the sample report where you'll get a beneficial bacteria score and then it will say how you stack up next to healthy people. You'll get a tooth to skit case score and you'll be told how you stack up compared to people who are healthy, people with tooth decay, and you'll get a gum inflammation score and you'll be told compared to people with inflammation, healthy people and you, and then also halitosis, bad breath, you'll get a score. And then based on the results, you'll get, excuse me, diet and hygiene tips. Is that right? More than that too. Okay. You'll get specific recommendations for probiotics if possible and different kinds of supplements that could help you. And included in each of the scores, we also do give the bacteria names. We give your abundance of each of the bacteria and how you relate to other people for those different bacteria. And a lot of times it's really hard to interpret that kind of information. Like I can tell you that you have, you know, Porphyrmonas gingivalis, but what does that really mean for you? So we try to contextualize it into these scores. I see that I just have a basic and then there is a breakout where it does show you your bacteria related to these different items and you get custom recommendations based on this. So I didn't see that before. And each test with the recommendations, we also provide a coach. So we have a dental hygienist on staff who is educated in the oral microbiome and what you can do to improve it. And we provide one coaching call to everyone who, who takes the test so that you can better understand how you can improve your oral health because we know that everybody is different. And so the recommendations we make may not entirely be applicable to you because you have a very specific need. And so we try to build around personalized medicine because we don't think there's a one-size-fits-all approach for anybody really. 
Right. That's so true. And I love that you give a coaching appointment. They can go through that. I really think that in this day and age where if you're trying to be proactive about your health and be as healthy as you can now and going forward in the future, this needs to be a part of your plan, right? Not just visiting the dentist twice a year and getting your teeth clean, not just brushing and flossing, but really assessing your oral microbiome as well as your colorectal microbiome and doing all the tests that I talk about. I say all the things. I really think this needs to be a part of it. How did you become interested in this topic? I always want to know why people do what they do. Um, So I was trained as a scientist. I did my master's studying antibiotic resistance. So I studied bacteria. And then afterwards, I want to do something different. I went to study a virus, a dengue virus, during my PhD. And I decided... Well, at the time I went to University of Michigan where there's a very big consortia of people studying the gut microbiome. So the neighboring lab actually studies the interaction between the mouth and the gut. They use a lot of tools to look at how bacteria get from the mouth to the gut and whether or not they can cause disease. And so they published a few studies and that was kind of the start of my foray into it because I used to, we do a thing called journal club. It's basically uh, research sharing between the different labs. And, and that's mm-hmm. where I first got interested. And so when I came back to California, where I grew up, I decided I want to study something with the microbiome. And what I decided to, to embark on was this very complicated interaction between the microbiome, the immune system and neurons. So neurons can interact with the immune system in the gut. And it's really important for actually maintaining homeostasis. Uh, and keeping a healthy gut. But the way it happens is extremely complicated. Um, <laughs> Probably and, above this podcast level, like very scientific. I, I'm not even sure I could explain it very well. Basically, <laughs> the summary at the time of me studying this was that neurons actually create proteins that help recruit immune cells. So there's different types of cells in the immune system that live within your tissue. So normally we refer to immune cells as in your blood and they help to monitor the the health of your body, but some of them actually live inside of tissues. And there's very specific, they're called macrophages. They can sample the environment, they eat stuff, and then they tell your body what's there. And it turns out that neurons, if you get rid of the neurons, then these macrophages also go away. And so these macrophages are in the gut and they're held there by neurons and they help to sample the environment of the gut to tell you, do you need to have diarrhea because there's something bad in here or are you okay? Because neurons also happen to control the motor function of the gut. So it's a very interesting interaction. Yes. So much science behind all of this. I think it's fascinating. I think what's important for everybody today to get the message is that the, the bacteria in your mouth matter for your the rest of your system matter for your brain health and do you get dementia or not matter for your heart and do you get heart disease or not matter for many aspects of your health and that to be proactive you need to test not guess that's something i always say um, and treat i'm just wondering it sounds like they found association for instance with certain of these pathogenic bacteria and hypertension but have they proved causation and done any interventional studies to say that if you change these bacteria, then your blood pressure will improve? Yeah. Yes? <laughs> That's a really That's good question. Yeah. So what people have done is they've introduced nitrate as a supplement in the mouth. And what they look at is 
two measurements. The first is salivary nitric oxide. So how much nitrate is being reduced in your saliva and how much nitrate is being reduced into your blood. And so a few studies have, very small studies, have gone into adding these supplements and it modulates the microbiome in a way that shifts towards more nitrate-reducing bacteria. And that in turn increases your nitric oxide in the blood. So not only have they done a depletion study where they looked at the people who took mouthwash and it killed all the bacteria, Mm -hmm. they've also boosted them and saw a boost in the blood. Very interesting. I love that. That is, and probably we're just, this field is in its nascency and we're going to have all kinds of designer probiotics and (laughs) treatments for the mouth (laughs) in the near future. I will look forward to that. And we'll have in the show notes a link to your blog. And then you do have a discount code for anybody who wants to order a test. So we'll have a code Kieran150. We'll have the link you can use in the show notes. If you're driving, please don't try to do it. Look it up now. We'll have the link in the show notes. We'll have the code Kieran150 for a 15% discount. And you can also look at a sample oral health test report like the one I was looking at. We'll have the link for that. And I asked David before we started to share a couple quotes on life that he liked to sh- with me. And you know, I love a good quote. So they're all great, but I'm going to share this one. Worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. Yep. So are you not a worrier? You not worry <laughs> at all? I try not to be. I really try not to be. I really like this quote because worrying is the same as doing nothing, right? It's kind of like your tests don't guess. By worrying, you're really just sitting there and guessing. You don't really know what's going to happen. Why don't you go do something about it? Just go test, go find out. I love that. It is. Yeah. Test, don't guess, do something. It's just, it's rehearsing possibilities. And, but we can do it. I wonder if abnormal microbiome in your mouth is associated with increase in worry. That would be an interesting study, David. You might want to do that one. There were a few that had suggested some mental health issues were associated with oral microbiome changes. So there was depression, schizophrenia, Alzheimer's, like we just talked about, a number of things. Yeah. That is fascinating. I think there's going to be way more data coming out on this association. I mean, we've got the vaggie biome, we have our ocular biome, we've got them all over. We didn't even talk about the vaginal microbiome. The oral microbiome, the same bacteria that cause bacterial vaginosis, happen to be the ones that are in the mouth that cause gum disease. How fascinating. Who knew? Do you guys offer Um, any testing for that? So we do have a report on the bacteria. We don't call them out explicitly, but I think one of the... One of the scores we'll probably add in the future will be something like that. It will be a vaginal dysbiosis score because there's been a few studies that have shown the same strains of bacteria in the mouth. They actually end up colonizing the gut and then in turn, they end up in the vagina. Right. Um, and so if you have dysbiosis either in your gut or in your mouth, that could definitely translate uh, down to the vagina too. Fascinating. So fascinating. David Lynn, thank you so much for coming on the Hormone Prescription Podcast and sharing this information with us. I very much appreciate it. Absolutely. Likewise. Me too. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Hopefully you've heard something today that you will take and put into action to improve your health. It's great to have education, edutainment, but ultimately what's going to make an impact on your health and your life 
are the actions that you take. So go check out David's blog, maybe order a test kit, do the test, get the information, take action. And remember, if you want a mouth tape, read about how to do it properly first. And I will see you next week. Thanks so much for joining me. Until then, peace, love, and hormones, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I know that incredible vitality occurs for women over 40 when we learn to speak hormone and balance these vital regulators to create the health and the life that we deserve. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you'd give me a review and subscribe. It really does help this podcast out so much. You can visit thehormoneprescription.com where we have some free gifts for you. And you can sign up to have a hormone evaluation with me on the podcast to gain clarity into your personal situation. Until next time, remember, take small steps each day to balance your hormones and watch the wonderful changes in your health that begin to unfold for you. Talk to you soon.